0: Bench Racing, Radio, Bench Racing Radio The Podcast with your
1: hosts Eric Gio and Anthony Leak.
2: How's
1: it going today, Andre? I'm uh, it's going. It's uh getting into winter time and I'm I've just been living the good life, you know, it's hockey season's been great, uh, the off season locally has been going really well and yeah, it's just it's been fun. How about you?
2: Oh yeah, yeah, I've been good out in uh, old Starbuck Way. It's uh, staying busy here in the off season, getting a, an early start on the stuff. I usually look back and say, ah, "I wish I would have started that sooner." So, <laughs> mm. yeah, that's, yeah, that's a common thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So i uh, I saw that you uh, you got a date here for your your big snowmobile race at uh, Lake Speedway.
1: Yeah, we got the Stain canor 100 and the twin cylinder shootout, vintage twin cylinder shootout scheduled once again. Uh, got canceled last year because COVID was, was reckless at that time. And um, we had to cancel it. So I'm hoping that we'll be able to do it this coming February. And uh, just I, I've been hearing more sleds. I've been hearing people from further away possibly participating as far as Alberta. Um, So I'm really excited to see the potential of that. And if things stay the way they are in terms of outdoor gatherings and, and stuff like that, I, I think we had 30, no, 2017 plus We had 28 sleds in 2020, just before the whole COVID deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I would expect, I don't know, 35 to 40 between both events. I would say we'll probably max out the field at 20, for the enduro, um, we might even go to 24 if there's that much demand. I don't know if I'd want to put 30 sleds on the track. It'd be hard to keep track of everything. but it could uh, get
2: hectic. Do they run transponders or no?
1: No. we uh, Each one has a lap counter. Oof. And then the, the flag man, myself, who's the flag man, and another person keeps track of the top five. So we count the top five on our own, um, right. as well as them having a lap counter. And then we just double-check everything to make sure um, – Everything's well, good to go. so Yeah, yeah. So we don't. It, it's top five is kind of the most important. After yeah. that, it's it's usually. If you want
2: to cheat for eighth place? Yeah. <laughs> in a one-off race, then uh you're a real winner in my books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So and then the twins. The twins are good because we run it like a stock car race where we run heats in a feature. So. Okay. The, I would expect us to go from like the 11 sleds we had, although one didn't get to run, but so we had 10 to, I would say probably 18 to 20. So nice. what we're going to do is that we're going to have uh, heat races of five laps for each. Um, and then split that as if we have 20 sleds then it'd be probably four heats of five or something like that. And then whoever qualifies out of top, whatever will take 10 for the, maybe even 12 for the, for the main event. And then the other eight to 10 sleds, We'll go into a consolation race, so we'll just do a, a consi prize. So we won't have like a, we probably won't have like a B main type thing, of, like we do in, in yeah. track racing. But we'll definitely have a like a B race um, for for a winner for a consolation type thing, and mm-hmm. and then we have the enduro after that, which is takes about forty eight minutes, I believe, to do a hundred laps, regardless of cautions. So. It's, uh, it's quite, it's a lot of fun. And the one in 2020 was really good. We, it was awesome. It's just really too bad that we didn't, you know, what was coming a month later, just yeah. Through everything out the way. Yeah, it was a simpler start. time. It was a simpler time. Yes. Yeah,
2: We were all younger men back then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm
1: looking forward to it.
2: Yeah, I know. That's awesome. I, uh, I, uh, one of our crew guys started racing at Boziger not too long ago and, uh, I thought, hey, I, I didn't tell Mike about that, and I we passed it over to him, and he's already got a sled. He's all excited. Nice. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I'm gonna make it out to this one, and uh, I'll be I'll be pit through and it should be a good time.
1: Yeah, and, and we 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 try to we p- try to pay out pretty decent as well. Cause we do have a lot of people from out of town, although like the local, the local number has gone right through the roof, which is awesome to see. And, and some of those people that are involved with the sled stuff are starting to get involved in the summer stuff too. So that's been phenomenal. Um, but I think we paid like, we had 26 sleds that ran last time. And I think we paid it like 3,400 bucks or something like that. So it's uh you know, we, we kind of try to help everybody with their fuel costs and, uh, and then some extra dough for the winners.
2: So, you don't do like 3,400 to win and a hot dog for second place.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we usually, uh, I think the only stipulation we have for the Enduro is that you have to finish the race to get paid.
2: Okay, that's
1: fair. You know, because if you only get 25 laps in, I mean, you didn't really survive. So, we kind of, and I think the last time we had 17 start and 11 finish. So, Which I thought wasn't too bad for a hundred lapper on those old.
2: Yeah. That's the thing. They're not new sleds. No,
1: they're not. They're not. It's really neat to see those old sleds bombing around out there though. It's uh, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun to watch. And I know most of the drivers are pretty tired at the end of it, especially if it gets really rough, but Mm -hmm. um, I've never heard anyone say they didn't have fun, even though the next day they couldn't walk. So yes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Right on. Oh no, I'm looking forward to that one for sure. Mm-hmm. Speaking of looking forward to things, looking forward to this interview. We, uh, I think it was a really good one. It was a guy I didn't know anything about. I never talked to him, and uh, you know, it was it was interesting. Kind of a different perspective. Different uh, uh, kind of bananas. How this guy actually got into the sport too. That
1: yeah, didn't
2: even really hardly go to any racing, and then just started. Like that was uh, was now pretty surprising.
1: Hooked. Now he's hooked. Uh, oh yeah. Uh, It's, uh, it's, it's so funny, like how people get involved. And I think that, you know, I think there's a bit of a standard assumption, almost a stereotype, I guess, in a way that everyone's just kind of grew up around and then eventually got into racing, but that's not always the case. I'm not saying that that isn't the case 99% of the time, but this is definitely like the 1% of like, oh, really? Wow. Um, and now you race full-time and just love it well that's that's a great story to hear that's very different to the standard that we normally have
2: yeah no definitely but uh yeah let's uh let's get into it
1: sounds great All right. Well, for our next guest, we have a Kenora racer here who's not originally from Kenora, but uh, has been in Kenora for quite some time. And uh, been racing pretty much since Lake of the Woods Speedway came into existence in the Wissota Midwest Modifieds. He's traveled to Thunder Bay to race. He's been in Emo. He's been in Winnipeg and, of course, in Kenora. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Keelan Hall. How's it going, Keelan?
0: Uh, things are, are going pretty good. Thanks for having me on the uh, podcast.
1: Hey, no problem. Really glad to have you here. I just want to kind of start out of what got you into racing like as a fan and and what has shaped your interest in the sport to kind of getting you to where you are now as a racer.
0: Well, um, I'm originally from Thunder Bay. Growing up, we didn't go to any of the racetracks here, but I used to drive by uh, when I was a teenager and I used to hear the sound of the engines and used to tell my brother, one of these days, we're going to get a car, we're going to go, we're going to go racing. You know, it just never happened. Um, You know, life happens. I guess it was uh, 2017, my brother passed away. So I, I guess your, your priorities change. And I decided that it was time to fulfill a lifelong dream. And I did a bunch of overtime that year. And really, uh, work, work my, uh, work my butt off and, uh, ended up buying, uh, a, uh, elite, a 2007 elite started at uh, Lake of the Woods Speedway. That was my, uh, that was my first time in a race car. Yeah. We haven't looked back since. So
1: were you really nervous at the beginning when you got the car or was it like a tempered excitement? What really was going, kind of going through your mind as you were prepping that car?
0: Well, honestly, you know, um, I, I do like a, a bit of adrenaline and uh, kind of been known to do some crazy stuff now and again, did some skydiving and stuff like that. Uh, but nothing really prepared me for uh, getting in that race car uh, Well, you were there. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I got out of that car, my, my arms were shaking and I just, I was hooked. Yeah, so I, I guess you could say it was a bit of a nervous excitement. Yeah, that's probably the best way to, to describe it. Yeah, getting out of that car, um, just the you know the feel of of the uh, the G forces going around the corner and the sound of the engine and the smells and it was it was all it took to to get me hooked.
1: Were you kind of nervous at first that you might not get hooked and that you'd you'd spent this time and it might be uh, an underwhelming experience or were you kind of like oh well everyone else that I've met so far says it's pretty great.
0: <laughs> no you know what uh, after spending most of the winter working on the car getting it ready you know putting the body on it and. And all the stuff I had to do to it, you know, I, I won't lie. Probably sat in that car quite a few hours in the garage, and <laughs> you know, just uh waiting for the day on, on the on the racetrack and fired up a few times. And uh yeah, no, I I would, I wasn't uh, disappointed. I didn't think I was going to be disappointed. So you didn't I, uh,
2: you didn't arrange for any police escorts so you could take a ride around town or anything.
0: You know what? I did think about it. <laughs> you know, I wished I, I lived on a gravel road that uh, was a little bit less populated because I probably would have done a few laps up and down the road. <laughs>
1: that's, that's great. That is pretty great. And uh, I mean, I also want to mention to our fans that you've actually driven the car at the Christmas parade in Kenora here as well. And I, I know how much of a smile that's usually on your face to be able to drive this the race car in November.
0: Yeah, that was a great experience, and just seeing over all the kids uh, going crazy for it, and you know, every every time you rev the engines up, you know, you see a couple of kids jump back and cover their ears, and it was uh, it was great. You know, it's just too bad uh, with the Burt transmission, it was just kind of hard to to restrict myself, so to speak, to just crawl like that. It was horrible, but uh, <laughs> it,
2: yeah, it was a good time. They're made for one thing, and it's tempting to want to do a burnout, and uh, it's they super don't like that. Don't ever no. try it. Uh, no, <laughs> yeah,
0: no. It was uh, it was fun, though. It was a good time.
1: Yeah, and and it's always great to have like it's all lit up too, and and the kids are just yeah, I the smile on their faces just it's phenomenal to have just the excitement of everybody when uh when we get to do the the Christmas parade um also in 2018 you and I spent a lot of time together with that tractor and that pole behind uh greater blade till oh, 11 man. o'clock at night man those are good times
0: they, yeah those were unforgettable times i uh I missed doing that it was it was a lot of fun uh, watching you in the dust cloud behind the tractor there fighting for air <laughs> I, I think I had the good uh, the good job there sitting in the, in the tractor. Yeah, it was so. kind of
1: it was kind of the combination of whether you could be in the tractor and it was so loud or you had to wear earplugs, or you could sit at the back to put some weight on the grader and get dusted out. It was really one half dozen of the others. So um, yeah, yeah, there was lots of lots of good times before we had a grader. Yes, we had a pull behind blade, and sometimes we even had the sheep's foot behind the tractor and the blade behind that as well. That was the best we could do it at the yeah. time. It's
0: quite the B train there. Um yeah it uh it was a it was a lot of fun it's quite something to see how the tracks you know were from its uh, lowly beginnings until now it's uh come a long way for anybody that hasn't seen the track at the very beginning
1: yeah yeah absolutely i um I, I can attest to just how much every time i go through the the photos there's this i'm just like i can't believe it used to look like that or i can't believe that that's the kind of conditions that we had i mean we've Done a lot to improve it and getting better equipment and whatnot. And you know, this being your home track, what are some of the things that you've you've enjoyed in terms of um, the changes, in terms of the racing, in terms of your development as well as a driver? Because it's only been a few years that you've been at this. You've been at this as long as the track's been racing, which is just over four years now. What was that evolution like for you from day one to to where you are now?
0: Uh, well, yeah, it was quite the learning curve. Um... Having no previous race experience uh you know it was it was uh it was a lot jumping right into a b mod and uh especially with the caliber of drivers that are out there quite intimidating to be honest with you but you know i'm kind of i'm the kind of person that uh you know i kind of learn by doing so you know you can tell me 100 times how to do something and uh, you know i have to do it uh, myself and and that's how i learned so i inevitably just The evolution of learning, I mean, it's just getting that seat time and uh, building those, uh, you know, friendships and connections with some of the other racers. And, you know, there's a lot of guys out there who've forgot more than I've learned. So, you know, just trying to listen to what they have to say and do what they tell you, you know, just get the seat time. I, I, you know, I would encourage anybody that has uh, an interest in the sport just to, you know, jump in with both feet and that's how you learn
1: and and speaking of that you know eric and i and a lot of our guests talk about the racing community and and how tightly knit it is and everybody seems to know what everybody else is doing uh to a certain extent and of course you being kind of an outsider and then getting involved into the sport what was it like what was it like for you to get involved in the community what surprised you and and, and what has really helped you uh connect with everyone
0: uh, i would say um you know just getting into the sport i wasn't expecting the uh The amount of help people are willing to give you, first off, you know, you're competing against them. I can remember, you know, Nick Adet, Tom Roso, you know, Ed Bell, guys like that, just right away coming up, trying to help. Going to the Emo track, same thing. Uh, Dayton Brady, just coming over to help. You know, if it was even something like changing a tire or giving you a tire to use or, you know, everybody just jumped right in there. And uh, that really surprised me. I don't think there's too many sports out there like it, you know, where you can go out and, you know, just race as hard as you can against somebody and, you know, come in and be the one changing the tire so they can go out, you know? So that's, that's pretty, pretty good. It's a pretty good. family sport.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, it's a huge part of it, you know? And and I think from the, the competitor's point of view, it's like, I, I want to go out there and I want to beat you, but I don't want you to have a bag full of excuses either. I want yeah, to be exactly. able to say I beat you at your best, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and no, uh, that's... and it and and in the longer term too, we know that when you're competitive and you're out there and you're racing, you're having fun, and when you're not, when it's when you're not competitive out there, it's pretty easy for it to start to suck. So uh, you know, we know that everybody has more fun when they're competitive, and it's uh, it, it just helps us all if we're all helping each other out a little bit, you know.
0: That's correct. Yeah. And you're 100% right on the, you know, having fun part of it. Um, I've always kind of maintained if you, uh, if you're not having fun doing it, maybe find something else to do. Um, But also, you know, it's what you make of it. You know, it's not, it's not something you're given. You got to earn it. So if you're not having fun at it, you know, try to figure out what you need to do to have fun at it. Yeah, you know, like you said there, you know, the fun part, you want to see the guys at their best out there. You know, when somebody wrecks, you know, you feel it because you know how many hours you put into your car. And if you're the cause of it, you pretty you feel pretty bad. So, you you know, the first to go over there and lend a hand if they're willing to help have you help them. So,
1: And speaking of wrecks, you had uh, a big taste of that in 2019 in Kenora. Uh, fans can find this on YouTube if you uh, search Keelan Hall. Uh, uh, crash wreck. I'm not quite sure what it's called because it wasn't quite a rollover, was it?
0: No, it was kind of a strange... Uh, Strange accident there, Um, kind of went in slow motion. I I can remember it in great detail (laughs) and I can remember the week after it, working on the car as well, there was a lot of damage, but uh, yeah, that was my first experience with riding the uh, high side in Kenora. (laughs) So
1: (laughs) it didn't, it did not turn out to so well, but, and, and as dramatic as it was it uh, I know you said that it didn't seem as hard of a hit as it looks on the, on the video.
0: No, that's the thing with these with these cars, and even with the one I had, uh, it was an older older chassis, but it was a pretty solid, well built chassis, and I still had the uh, the old style seat in it. Didn't have the full containment seat, but you know those the five point harness really does the, uh does a trick. Since then, bought a uh, full containment seat. That's uh, so all I run in my car now. I just see the the great importance of having that in the car, and wearing the, the Hans device, because I think that was a big part of uh, walking away and, you know, just a
2: little stiff the next day. I think it could have th- been a lot worse. I think I was there that day. Was that right at the end of the season?
1: No, that was the second uh, week of the of the season. Uh, July 12th, I think, is what it was, or the 19th, one of those three weeks that we ran in July.
0: Okay, okay then no, I was not. I have touched the wall a few times, Eric, so <laughs> you might have been there for... What you, I mean, did, you did
1: one? touch the wall uh, again this past uh, September, where yeah. and you had talked to me. You said it was your own darn darn fault, I heard.
0: Yeah, uh, you know what? I was didn't want to t- take my foot out of it, and I knew I, spo- I should have, but I just <laughs> couldn't lift. And, uh, yeah, I paid for it.
1: <laughs> yeah, a bit of a Darlington or Kenora stripe, I guess. Um, I know you ended up in the berm <laughs> by the time you were done scraping the whole wall.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the, the wall did it, what it was supposed to do, and the, the burn worked pretty good too.
1: So, oh yeah, someone cracked open the Pepsi. I did. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's well dry. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 always been it's been great to have you, Keelan, uh, at the track as a full-time driver and being local, and you know your passion for it obviously is is really good, is really strong and the whole family really is bought into it and it's just it's been great to have you uh on board and, and to be able to go to other tracks and be able to race in your hometown as well. What was it like at DQ Speedway after racing at Mosquito for a few years?
0: Honestly, I have mixed feelings on uh on the new Speedway. I think the, the new facility is absolutely fantastic. Like it's second to none. I don't have a, a great deal of experience at tracks. I mean Winnipeg here, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, I run emo every weekend. But uh, you know what? The old uh, Mosquito Speedway has got got to be one of my favorite, like one of the most favorite tracks I've raced. The car seemed to like it. I liked it, and I just like that, you know, right in the middle of nowhere feel, with all the uh, motorhomes kind of stacked around the, the track like that in the field. I I don't know. I just had a really cool feeling for me. Especially when you pull in there, and you know there's a lot of history there, and you see the old car, and yeah, it's, you know, it's a bit of history. You know, that's I think that uh, I think a lot of guys will probably miss going there.
1: Yeah, just for there, that point. Yeah, there's definitely uniqueness there. My brother ran there once, and and I got to go a few times. Of course, building the racetrack here took me away from it quite a few times, but yeah. Beautiful well, facility at DQ as well.
0: Yeah, and the, and the thing is with the Mosquito Speedway it's kind of special for me too cuz that, that's where i won my first race it was my it was a heat race and i haven't won anything since or prior <laughs> to that so that so to me that was a special you know time and place to to win a heat race and and everything just kind of worked and uh yeah i'll never forget it
1: all right, well, let's move into the Misfire Round. Now, I know you, you just heard recently about this podcast because I know you're not on social media and all that, and I'd sent you a text about two weeks ago, or a little under two weeks ago about it. Have you had a chance to listen to any of them?
0: I listened to one and a half or one and a quarter maybe. I, I can't remember. On the second one, I think I just started into it.
1: and I okay. had to
0: go in. I was in the shop. So
1: Okay, so you have an idea then? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So 10 questions, one or the other, you can't pick both or neither or some sort of thing in the air. Um, so, but we are allowed to ask questions to follow up your answers. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Number one, hard charger or start up front?
0: Uh, hard charger.
1: Number two, dry or tacky? Uh, dry. Number three, early sleeper or late riser?
0: uh early i'd say late riser
1: number four cereal or eggs and bacon eggs and bacon number five sunsets or sunrises sunrise number six fishing or hunting hunting number seven butterfinger or turkish delight
0: turkish delight
1: number eight warm shower or hot shower hot shower number nine swimming pool or lake lake. and number ten staycation or vacation Staycation, nice. That's the misfire around Any
2: follow-ups there, Eric? Turkish delight. Huh.
1: I know. I love Turkish delight. (laughs) That's
2: a that's a selection. I gotta say, I love Turkish
1: delight. I got the real legit stuff a couple weeks ago. It's even better than the chocolate bar.
2: Like from Turkey. Yeah,
1: like from Turkey. It's amazing. (laughs) It was so good.
2: Genuine. The genuine okay? stuff. Yeah. yeah. Imported. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good.
1: If you don't like the chocolate bar, I do recommend okay. the right the, the real imported stuff because it's it's pretty good.
2: No, that's okay. You're both wrong, but that's we'll we'll allow. It's, uh, this is a democratic. You're podcast. a butterfinger guy, aren't well, just you? A, just agree <laughs> to disagree. That's right. We'll agree to disagree and we'll move on. All right. Um yeah but no uh that that was great um uh no I, i wanted to go back and ask uh so you know you you were around the sort of around the racing scene in thunder bay growing up um but uh you know didn't really get involved there what uh what kind of racing did did you kind of take in you know what what made you decide to start to do it aside from you know the the circumstances there but uh you know were you were you a big race fan like watching a lot of NASCAR or what uh, what was it that uh, that piqued your interest?
0: Well, I've got a story for you. So, um, yeah, I I, w- I didn't watch NASCAR. I can't say that I watch NASCAR now. Um, just not doesn't do anything for me. But, uh, uh I was a probably late teens, early twenties. My brother and I went over to New Tech Metals in Thunder Bay. Um we saw this race car. I'm pretty sure it was a B mod. I can't remember now. It was, it's been a while, but saw this race car there and man, oh man, we wanted to buy it. (laughs) And, uh, that was, that was kind of the start we seen this car and we, you know, you know, the wheels start turning and we started dreaming. And, uh, yeah, as, as far as, you know, going to a racetrack or anything like that, um, we never did when we were in Thunder Bay. Um, I'm not sure why, to be honest with you. Just never worked out, I guess. I was more of a workaholic when I was a teenager than anything. Um, So maybe that's why. It was just seeing that car and it was just something I wanted to do. And I don't know, I just can't can't explain it. I've always been around engines. I love working on cars and vehicles uh like figuring out why things work the way they do um and how to make them work better that's just something i've always been interested in and so you know that kind of race cars kind of fit the bill for me because you're always trying to make them faster uh you're always working on them <laughs> like mm-hmm. non-stop and uh and, and they go fast and they make lots of
1: noise so And it's It's funny you mentioned that because last week when we talked to Ron Westover, he talked about how he spends a lot of hours in the shop so much to the point that he thinks he overdoes it. Um, and I know you've spent a lot of time in the shop and you just, you seem to enjoy it almost as much as the actual racing, uh, explain what a typical week would be for you when it comes to working on your race car between weeks or even throughout the winter.
0: Well, typically, uh, Throughout the winter, like I work a four on four off schedule. So I work two day shifts, 12 hour shifts. Then I work two nights, like right off, right after my days, 12 hour oh. shifts. And then I, uh, then I have four days off. Um, so the first day is usually a bit of a write off, but, um, it's usually, you know, if my wife's working, I'm in the, I'm in the shop working. Um, my wife's home i'm in the shop working <laughs> so she comes out she's a huge supporter um i love her for that she she comes out and she'll sit in the shop and ask questions and hold metal if i'm working on the body or you know hand me tools and just chat so it it's a it's kind of a you know labor of love for both of us we both like being in the garage and working on the car and so just you know, I I can understand where Westover was saying. You might think he overdoes it. I I probably do overdo it a bit too. Um, but it's kind of like a quiet place. So you you just go and you know you put your tunes on and or TV and just go to work, right? And uh, you don't have to rush unless it's summertime. Winter you got all season, uh, like all winter season there to to get the car ready. Summertime, it's tight for time because, you know, you're, you work your four on four off schedule. And depending on where those days are, you might be a, you know, a Friday getting off work and racing home and, you know, getting in, towing the car on the trailer and going to, to the track. So, and then if you have anything to fix or if you work, uh, run the weekend and then you may only have a day or two to work on it, then you're back to work again and it's a little tight in the summer. I would say, but it's a lot of fun to get the kids out there and get my son, uh, you know, drilling holes and stuff. It's great.
1: And you had, you had a bit of a, a rough start to the season though, in a few incidences, was there any, a point where you were kind of like, Ugh, I'm not motivated anymore. Or did you just, just think to yourself, you know what, eventually it's going to get better, which it did. I mean, I think that, uh, especially the last few weeks of racing in Kenora in particular, uh, an emo as well great example too where you saw some improvement but did you ever feel extremely discouraged at any point
0: no i that's hard to say uh I, nobody likes uh looking at it, the car in pieces or destroyed and I, you know it's just it happens at the racetrack nobody does it on purpose it's just it's racing incidents and uh yeah it's a little you know a bit of a kick in the stomach sometimes but Especially when you're looking at the dollar signs, and you know how hard you have to work to put those parts on the car. But uh, no, I'm kind of the kind of person that uh, you know I don't want to miss a race. Um, A lot of times I pay somebody to work for me, so I don't miss a race. You know, if I get if I get wrecked, I'll do whatever I can to make it for the next race day. So it can be a little discouraging at at some sometimes when you look at the amount of work you have to do, but the sooner you get working
1: on it, the sooner you get done. So and, and to on the flip side, uh walk us through what it was like to almost win your first feature this past summer. And I think you were racing against Brandon Rehill and Emo.
0: Yeah, that oh man, that was uh that was quite the race. You know, I would have to thank uh uh Brady Call for helping me out in the car there with you know, some things to do. You know, we can't do it all by ourselves, so but uh, yeah, I know the car, um, it was on that night. You know, the track just kind of came to me. It was basically perfect for the car. And I think that's the fastest it's, uh, you know, the fastest it's ever driven. I knew Brandon was right behind me because every once in a while he'd, he'd show his nose and I'd be like, oh, God, he's going to get me on this corner. I know it. <laughs> and I just, you know, kept my foot right into her and, you um, you know, you know, getting into the lap traffic, that's where it kind of uh, got a little tricky. Um, both of us trying to get around uh, lap traffic, it was close. I think I think he got me by maybe uh, you know half of a half of a nose or something. It was it was close by the by the end at the flag stand. He did go by me on the corner. I made a mistake, decided to get you know leave my groove that I was that was working for me and try the bottom to go around a lap car, and there was nothing on the bottom for me. I went back on the top. He ended up uh, having to go high on the last uh, last corner coming up to the flag stand, and we kind of uh, sprinted to the finish, so to speak. But yeah, no, that was uh, that was definitely a highlight for me. Um, I love racing against uh, Brandon. He's a super clean racer, and you know he's always uh, very helpful at the track as well. So uh, definitely a, a highlight for me.
2: Yeah, the uh, the cheeseburger Larson, as they call him, he had a pretty good season. Yeah. So to be able to be uh... Having a good close race with him like that—that's, you know—it always hurts to finish second. But when you finish second to somebody who's real good, then it's—it's it's not so bad.
0: Yeah, I'd have to say you know a second was a win for me there. Um, you know, finishing second to to Brandon, great respect for uh, for his driving talent and the way he drives out there. Yeah, it was—it felt like a win for me.
2: Yeah, well, that's great. So uh, Anthony, cover your ears. Um, which track do you like more, Emo or Kenora?
0: Oh man, you gotta do this to me! Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It has its days. I do, I do like the higher banks. I will say, I do like the emo higher banks. Canora mm-hmm. Kenora has its um, its appeal for me. Um, you know what? You know, sometimes that track is more racy than than emo. Mm-hmm. And uh, but I I do I do like emo. It's like a my home home track away from home. Yeah. Um, but you know they're they're basically on par with each other because I I do love racing Kenora and I put so many laps in there and done so much uh, work at the track so to race on that surface after you know seeing everything that's gone into it and I know how hard Anthony's worked to, to put that there yeah I they're pretty much on par but I do I am a little partial to uh, the higher banked uh, Emo track yeah well
2: no I mean there's there's differences to each track and some places you'll go to, they just suit you and some places, not so much. Uh, but uh, you know, that the, the great place that uh, that Anthony's built out there in, in Kenora I'm just excited to see, keep getting better every year. So it's, uh, it's uh, always a fun joint to go race for sure.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It's just, it's only going to get better. Can't wait to see the, uh, you know, the lights uh, one of these days and, some bigger grandstands one of these days, uh, you know, the pit, the pits are looking awesome. You know, the track surface is always improving and, you know, the banking is oh, yeah. starting to get there. It's starting to get a little bit more banking every year. So,
2: you know, Fresh it won't be granted. long. Fresh yeah. In the area. I mean, that's like, oh, that's pretty, just pretty about sweet. NASCAR level there. I mean, come on. Only the yeah, best pretty, for my drivers. What can I say? It's pretty high end. <laughs> that's right. Spoilers <laughs> rotten. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's great laying on it too, you know, when you get those you know, rocks digging into your back. Yeah, you, yeah, I can't
1: make it perfect. Sorry, it's not going to be asphalt, okay? <laughs> no, okay. That's the closest thing I can get to it. <laughs> Well, that moves us into our next segment. This is called In the Driver's Seat. And this is the one that's a little bit longer. You can uh, tell multiple stories if you like, or one really big, long one. But we really want to kind of get to know what it's like to be Keelan Hall in the driver's seat uh, week in and week out. So with number one, which driver do you have the most fun racing against?
0: That's a hard one. Um, I really like racing against Ed Bell, where we've become really close friends and so we're out there. If we're out there side by side, um, it's kind of fun. I I do enjoy. Uh, I I enjoy a good sprint.
1: All right, number two. What went through your mind the first time you jumped into the car and started your first race?
0: Oh man, I I guess I was uh, I was pretty nervous getting into the car. Um, normally, uh, leading up to the race, even still, I'll, I'll get a little few butterflies and. Um, but, you know, as soon as I get onto the track, I roll onto the track and we start uh, doing a few pace laps for stage in there, it's, um, uh, th- you know, the nerves kind of go and it's, uh, you know, just all business, you know, you just focus on what you have to do and who you have to pass and who's in front of you and what lines you think they're going to run. And, you know, you're looking at the track and you're looking to see where, where you know, if there's wet, wet spots, dry spots and you know, what you what you can do to, to improve your car and uh, your chances of making a pass. Yeah, I I and you know what, you're also hoping that everything you've done in the shop all week, um you haven't missed anything. I you know, I try to do a nut and bolt check before I go on the track. So I'm thinking about everything, you know, when I'm when I'm sitting in that seat. It's not just about, you know, racing and, and getting through the corner. It's also, you know, did I forget anything at home? You know that you know that I, I missed something on the car. You know that could cost a, you know a, a catastrophic failure, or you know that's the last thing you want to see happen. So, you know, lots going through the mind. Whenever I drop a pole position, I'm the most <laughs> nervous. Um, just because you know it's it's great having all that clean air out there, but you got a lot of fast cars behind you, and you know one mistake and you wreck the field. So it's not just your car; it's a whole whole bunch of other cars and drivers you know so i i that makes me nervous so if i get the pole or outside pole i prefer an outside pole to be honest with you than an inside pole (laughs) i've always kind of been more partial to an outside line than than the bottom maybe that'll change with this new newer car that or this new to new to me car that i just got but yeah that's that's kind of what goes through my mind anyway
1: Number three, if you went three wide with a lap to go, which spot would you prefer to be in? The inside, the middle, or outside, and why?
0: Uh, Outside? I just kind of... I've always felt a little more comfortable up there. Uh, In the middle, you're going to be getting squeezed. If you're on the bottom and you get a little tight, you're up into the middle car, and well, you know what (laughs) happens (laughs) when you're three wide and you get into the middle car. Outside, I mean, it's just... It's on you, right? Unless somebody else screws up, you, you've you got to get it through the corner. You know, you got to keep it on the track. And it's just you and the track mm-hmm. and the wall basically. What got
1: do it. you do in the car just before you drive out of the pit stall?
0: I usually, I'll put my hand on my brother's picture. I'll um, check my brake bias all the way to the back and then I'll set it where I want to set it. And usually I'll do that twice uh, just to make sure. And then I just do a quick uh, gauge check. I usually um, hit, hit the window net, make sure it's locked in good. And then I'm usually playing with my hands, basically, because I'm nervous. You know, like I'll be uh, making sure the gloves are on tight, make sure that, you know, they're mm-hmm. not loose. That's about it.
1: Number five, and I, I think you might have alluded to this, but maybe you have something else in mind. What race would you consider the one that got away?
0: Uh, definitely Emo. That one was, I led for most of the race. I know where I made the mistake. I think if I would have just held my line, it would have been different, but who knows with Brandon right on your butt. So, (laughs) you know, he has a way of working miracles sometimes. So, but I kind of feel that that was uh, the -hmm. one that got away, so to speak.
1: Um, Number six, if you could sit down with one or three people from any time in motorsports, who would it be and why?
0: Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, I'd probably uh, I'd love to sit down with the Nesbits in Thunder Bay. I have a a pit crew, uh, Bruce Berenger. He's my my pit boss, and he uh, that's from his uh, era. So I think it'd be cool to talk with uh, some of the guys that you know made him who he is, because he's a huge part of the team. Uh, so you know, definitely nesbitt brothers um i'm trying to think of anybody else uh i don't know
1: yeah and i know bruce has, has told me i don't know if he's, what he's told you but he's told me some very interesting stories in his ice racing uh days as well on on how he was quote yeah. unquote successful yeah. in that uh in that sport yes some very, very good, good stories, stories. <laughs> one of these days we might have to have him on the, on here as well because he could probably go for days Um uh, yeah i think a great idea um but yeah you know all very good answers and and i know your career has been been fairly short and of course more shortened Mm -hmm. because of covid over the last two years i mean if you think about it you started racing in 2018 we had uh you know you had a fair amount of racing i can't remember you did a little over 20 didn't you in in 2019
0: uh yeah 18 i did i think about Mm -hmm. 10 races started late in the season um had some problems with uh you know keeping the car on the track uh so a little bit more repairs 2019 i think i did 20 19 or 20 um, race nights and then this year and last year well last year with COVID, i still did i mm. think 14 or 15 and this year was a good year 19 or 20 i think i think it was like 19 for points and then three for you know the grand nationals at thunder bay so That's a good season for me.
1: Yeah, definitely. And um, let's talk about a little bit about Keelan's Corner. You want to explain what Keelan's Corner is?
0: Uh, Well, there's this guy that owns a racetrack that thought it would be a good idea to basically tag me on every time I wipe out a particular (laughs) corner. So (laughs) I don't know. You know who I'm talking about? about
1: I didn't even name it. All I know is there's a plaque yeah. out in turn number two that has your name on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, for some reason, it seemed to be my nemesis. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a, there must be a dry patch oh. there or something. It's the rocks. It, it couldn't. It couldn't be. It couldn't be me. Uh, it's got to be something <laughs> with the track. You know, maybe a some trick sand in there or something. I don't know, but yeah.
2: <laughs> Never good. Uh, is this part of why you like emo better? <laughs> you know what? That might be. Might yeah. be.
0: You know, the they've teasing. got some. Yeah. The bullying by the track <laughs> yeah. promoter. It's total bullying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm i <laughs> totally. fairly
1: certain that your crew chief is the one who originally called it Keelan's Corner. Um, I just I just took took it away and just we just kind of built it upon them. We just ran with just it. Just ran yeah. but with that, it. That, that would be yeah. Bruce for you, though, too. He's yeah. got to have a story to tell. <laughs>
0: yeah, it would be. Yeah, no, Bruce, uh, Bruce and I are very close. Um he's uh well he'll be running a four cylinder this year, so he'll be doing a little bit of work on the car with me and then running his four cylinder. So we we'll be bouncing back and forth, but yeah, um it'll be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Awesome. So uh one thing that's uh, that's kind of interesting is your uh, your career as a uh, as an OPP officer, is that correct?
0: Yeah, that's correct, yep. Yeah. Don't hold well, it against so- me.
2: <laughs> yeah, Oh yeah. There's good cops and bad cops. Uh, <laughs> so what? Uh, like, how long have you been doing that?
0: Uh, almost 15 years now. You know, started in Kenora, been here ever since. So, oh, nice. yeah, it's it's been a it's been a good career. Used to be in logging before that. Owned a logging company in Thunder Bay. Kind of uh, decided to make the switch. Was spending a little too much time away from home with the uh, logging and. Anybody who works in logging knows what I'm talking about, and uh, yeah, been uh, you know made a late, late uh, career change. I think it was 33. Been almost 15 years now doing municipal policing in Kenora. Probably end up you know staying here until I retire, unless something changes. But
1: interesting, because um, as being an officer, you have lots of friends, and in that field, and sometimes. Um, we will get a large amount of OPP vehicles showing up at the races, and some. Sometimes I wonder. I'm just yeah. like, well, who's taking care of the city if everyone's out here? <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't know. Sometimes the city runs on autopilot there, and you get a you know a, a brief uh, reprieve from what's going on, and uh, they're able to sneak out. You know, that's foot right. Patrol. Well, I mean, I that's think it's. I think
1: it. it's. First of all, yeah. it's nice to have that to have, have someone even just coming out because there are, you know, we have hundreds of people that are at the racetrack on a day like that as well. So, yeah. um, it is nice to have that, that presence as well. And even and we used to have the same type, type of thing where we would have officers who are interested in racing as well, um, that would stop by and do like a walk through the pits or whatever, and just make sure everything is, is orderly and whatnot. And, and, but it also, once again, you know, just shows how, word of mouth and how the sport just really brings people together from all walks of life. And, um, you know, it's, it's nice to, to see that, that community participation, no matter what or who it might be, um, in, in that world. So that's one of the things that I've, I've really have enjoyed is having new people, getting into the sport and new fans. And I mean, you as a driver help bring in a lot of fans. Like everybody as a driver, they bring in family, they bring in friends. um, and, And it's just, it's, it's just great. I mean, I know I've mentioned in the podcast previous that, you know, it's, it's not just us using, you know, it's not just, old race fans and stuff that are coming to these races, a lot of new people coming into the sport because of Kenora being a central location. It's not just bringing people from Emo and Thunder Bay and Winnipeg that are already established. It's also growing the sport in a new market. Uh, and you're one of those, uh, people that have really shown that, that growth.
0: Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. I do agree with you with, uh, getting, um, new people involved in the sport. I mean, you start a new track, you know, you need uh, local, local cars, it's a big part of the, of the, uh, of the sport. We've been pretty lucky with, uh, getting cars from Winnipeg and Emo and, you know, sometimes, you know, Sioux Lookout, Dryden, the Odd Thunder Bay car, uh, which we really appreciate. That's a long ways to come. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's really important to get the local cars and, you know, I'm hoping that, um, we'll start seeing, you know, some more local, uh, Canora drivers out there in all the classes and, Just we'll just keep uh, plugging away, and you know, advertising, and hopefully, absolutely,
1: I completely agree. And and you know, I'll most certainly say that if if it wasn't for the the amount of people who have committed to traveling, either close to full time or full time to race in Kenora. I mean, I can think of Tom Morso until his retirement, uh, Nick Audette and the, all the Adets with the the two other, with the four cylinders in the truck as well. Um, and the truck drivers that have been able to come out, uh, over the last few years, I've always been a super truck fan. So, um, it's so nice to have that as well. And then the modifieds, because we have no local modifieds, So to get like 10 to 12 to 14 modifieds from around the region has been great. And from Thunder Bay and like you you mentioned, from the whole region, it's really helped us to get us started. Um, But now, like you said, you're starting to see where like, especially in the four cylinders right now, people entering the sport. I mean, I think we're gonna have something like 10, maybe even 12 local four cylinders in 2022. So to see that change in just yeah. three years' time, and, and the Midwest mods have been a little bit slower, but uh, we've we've I've heard and uh, about a few, uh, or at least a couple new ones getting in into racing for with Kenora and a couple pier stocks possibly, and and hopefully some more. Uh, continued commitment from from some of the pure stocks that we've had over the last few years, so most certainly extend appreciation to all that because it's really hard to build a local class and and to build a track if we don't have established drivers, you know, at least participating in some way, shape, or form, and they they're they're essential part of of growing the sport as well in this region.
0: Yeah, absolutely, I, and I think that's why you know it's a huge thing for me to. I think it's really important to uh, go into some of the other tracks that are local, like uh, Emo, because those guys will right. also come up here, right? So. You know, gets their car counts up and then when they come here brings Absolutely. our car counts up. Yeah,
1: it's definitely a, a a relationship that is essential for even even for Thunder Bay when we have the invitationals or if people are able to book time off and go out that way, you know, it's just really returning returning the favors and and returning the support where possible. So um so speaking of, of support and all that, what's uh what's the plan for you in twenty twenty two? Are you looking at some new sponsors? Uh you mentioned earlier about a new car. Give us some details, man.
0: Okay. Um, well, right now, uh, my sponsor, my main sponsor is Best Way Rentals, and they've been with me right from the beginning. Um, They're a huge, huge part of the program, and they will continue to be. Uh, so, we're really, really happy to have them aboard. Um, right now, I mean, yeah, I'm always looking for additional sponsors, uh, but uh, we'll see what happens. I did buy uh, a different uh, car this year. I'm always up for a challenge i wanted to try a different uh, style of chassis to see if it suits my driving style better um, i've been used to w- running on swing arms and so this car is going to be uh, on sliders so um, be a bit of a change and learning curve uh, so really looking forward to that so it's uh the, the old car was a trc this one's a shaw um both of them are basically the same year so i haven't uh, moved up in as far as the newer, it's just newer to me. So, but um, yeah, as far as what's, what the plan is, is, you know, the cars in the shop right now, we're putting a new body on it. Uh, Got to try and figure out the chassis, didn't really come with anything. So we're gonna try and, you know, see what works. And just like we did with all the other two and I'm always up for a challenge. So it'll be fun season. Um, hey, uh,
2: in a show car, I highly recommend you get to know your your chassis builder, Jeff Taylor okay he's uh he's a character (laughs) looking forward to it yeah oh yeah yeah he comes up here to race sometimes comes and helps out customers and stuff not not into Canada but into the northern states and uh, oh yeah yeah. if you ever get the opportunity you should absolutely go racing with him
0: oh that sounds great yeah you know what I have nothing but uh, good things to say about uh, TRC race cars um um had a lot of uh help from Mark um You know, I'm up here. It's not like I spent a lot of money down there or anything. And I'd call and uh, he'd get back to me and he'd help me out. So, you know, that's a huge, uh, huge uh, thing for a racer is to have that that support, even for an old car. So.
2: Yeah, yeah. no, that's great because there's a lot of guys out there who... A lot of chassis builders were, you know, we know how the game works. If yep. if you buy a few thousand bucks worth of stuff in a year, then yeah, they start to help you some more. Yeah, but uh, to have somebody who will just pick up the phone and or you can pick up the phone and talk to them and and they'll help you out. That's uh, that's pretty yeah. awesome.
0: Yeah, you know what? Yeah, a big thanks to him for that. And another one uh, I'd like to thank is uh, Cody Erickson. When I had my elite car, uh, Cody at uh, Teeny Chassis was uh, basically just a phone call away anytime. didn't matter he could be out in the tractor in his field uh you know harvesting corn he didn't he didn't mind
2: Which he usually is
0: yeah and yeah. he'd call he'd be like well i'm out in the field uh wait until I get back to the barn basically and you know you know text me when you're going into hot laps so i can watch on my race pass i mean that's the kind of guy he was that's you know it's pretty unheard of you know from from any business standpoint that's not a that's not for money, that's for yeah. for passion, right? So <laughs> mm-hmm. I really appreciate all the help that those guys uh, like that did, and even the other racers, you know. So it's it's there's a lot to learn.
1: What would be the best advice that you can give to someone who wants to enter the sport?
0: Small changes, document changes, seat time, seat time, seat time. Do not <laughs> spend fifteen hundred dollars on a wrap. <laughs>
2: Yeah. But that makes the car go faster. Everybody knows that. If it looks fast, doesn't mean it's fast. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. No, that was a, that was a good uh, one-off, basically. For the first two wraps I bought, I put on there. I could have bought two bodies. So, <laughs> Man, I still needed two bodies. <laughs> go figure, right? So, <laughs> no, we don't put wraps on our car anymore. I have a good deco guy in Winnipeg, uh, DFX uh, Graphics. Uh, Daryl. Um, if anybody wants good graphics, go see him. He uh, he'll hook you up with some really top notch uh, decals that you could put on your car a lot cheaper yeah, than so a lot. So you can
1: spend it on zoomy zoomy parts instead.
0: Yeah, you can buy <laughs> shocks and springs yeah, go and fast parts, carbs, and other stuff. Yep, that's another thing. I didn't after putting a new like I always run used tires. After putting on a new tire here and there, if I could but new tires on all the time man i'd love that start
2: with used tires learn how to prep them get everything you yep. can out of them
0: yep yeah brought them right to their bald pretty much mm-hmm. so
1: well i guess you learn in your seat time when the tires start getting worn out and you just become a better driver over time when you start running slicks and you're doing okay you should be uh, real good when you have grip on them
0: <laughs> oh, It's like nascar isn't it yeah they
2: run slicks mm-hmm so <laughs> exactly <laughs> close as we get to it <laughs> yeah
1: all right Eric did you have anything else for Keelan
2: no this was great man thanks for coming on and uh and chatting with us this was uh, it was good to get to know you a little bit and we we'll, are looking forward to watching your race here through Ontario and Winnipeg and, and beyond
1: thank you very much guys for having me on the show Appreciate each and every one of you for listening to the podcast. Uh, Another great episode. Stay tuned as we uh, continue in season number two with some guests that we have lined up over the next few weeks. You're going to love it, so don't miss it. And if you missed an episode, you can always go back and listen once again to whatever you like over and over again. So thank you so much, each and every one of you, for taking the time to listen to Bench Racing Radio. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to Bench Racing Radio. Like and follow our social media handles. Facebook
0: at Bench Racing Radio. Twitter at Bench Racing Rad One.
1: Or Instagram
0: at Bench Racing Radio.